Hallelujah. Good morning. You may be seated. Thank you, sir. Happy Mother's Day. We just welcome you today. I am excited about giving away the gifts. That's going to be cool. And uh, we just welcome you all here. Thank you so much for being here today. And, and uh, you, you can turn... Um, if you flip over your handout, you'll notice that there's no notes. Don't get too hopeful for that. You'll notice it says Ruth, like the whole book. So uh, glory to God. That strikes fear in the heart of religious people, knowing that God, that God has had Pastor Brian use a whole book in one message. Like, what? how long is that going to be? Six hours? No. Maybe just a couple. No. We're going to look at Ruth, but it's hard to it's hard to look at Ruth and not know the whole story. And um, I want you to look at a mother and a daughter, and. A good mom and a daughter who honors that mom and what's available and what's there. And we're going to read it in the New Living. So they're going to put it up on the screen for you in case you don't have that translation. But it reads well and it makes it a little bit easier to understand a couple of things that happens. But uh, when you look at Ruth, we, I was praying over this week. I said, Lord, I don't know that I've ever preached a Mother's Day sermon with Ruth. Um, it's a little bit different as far as a Mother's Day message uh, goes. And I don't always preach, a, you know, just a specific message on mothers, on Mother's Day. Um, it just depends on whatever the Lord says. And, you know, if he told me to preach finances on Mother's Day, then that's what it would need to be, you know. Um, if he said preach healing, then that would be. Speaking of, uh, we have an, one more message left in the healing unless the Lord changes something. Next week, I'm going to, next week is a very, very important week. Uh, the message that will be preached for anybody uh, who calls Boomerang home or who's just curious. Um, next week will be a very important message. Definitely, I'll tell Deb, uh, I want as many of the adults that can be in here as possible and, and youth as well. Um, it'll be an important message for next week, very important to our future and how the Lord is going to provide for you and for us. And so we're excited about it. And then the week after that, I'm going to do the final message on you can be healed in that series. Uh, people will be healed that day. Um, we've had people healed constantly throughout that whole series. God is alive and he's moving. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, somebody, I, I tell you, even while we're preaching, don't just be sitting there thinking, well, I'll get prayer at the end. Uh, the other, I was preaching on healing. I've said this multiple times. You can be healed just while you're hearing the word because the word is strong and powerful. And uh, that's exactly what happened. Just while we were sitting here, somebody gets healed, just healing pops. Uh, the other week, uh, Miss Natalie uh, prayed for her co-worker. Uh, Miss Natalie, she's, she's helping back there. But uh, she's been in the listening to the series, and she's realizing, look, I carry something with me. I'm a child of God. I carry something with me. I don't have to be a pastor to pray for somebody. And she just took that thought into her workplace, and this one lady was uh, not feeling good and having trouble being healed by doctors. 
and uh, Natalie prayed for her and she got healed, right? Not a pastor, just a believer. Those that believe will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And that's exactly what happened. God loves you. And listen, he loves the people around you, even the ones that give you a headache. He loves them, right? And he wants to pour out his best. Uh, some people are like, oh, man, man, for real. Uh, you know, even those employees that have hard heads, it's for real that he loves them too. And uh, if we will open up, you know, if we'll open up to God's love, he'll pour it out. And uh, so anyway, uh, we'll have that. And then at the beginning of June, we're going to start a brand new series called The Great Sermon. And uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be really good. I don't know how long it'll go for, but uh, we will be looking at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and looking at what he said. What did he say? What did he really say? Um, Have you ever heard a whole series on his message on the Sermon on the Mount? Not a lot. How many have heard it in the last few years? Most people not. And yet, this is, a, this is like a masterpiece of a sermon. And it tells us so many things about how to live. And so we're going to be looking at that message. Uh, a few months ago, the Lord said, I want you to preach and I want you to break that sermon apart and show what he was saying and show how to live. And I think that it'll challenge us. I think it'll give us some freedom. Uh, but that'll be the beginning of June, a series called The Great Sermon. So let's just turn to Ruth, Ruth chapter 1 and verse 1. And this will be, the NLT will be up on the screen for you. In the days when judges ruled in Israel, uh, sounds like this mic's a little bit too hot or something. In the days when the judges ruled in that's good it ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and Kilian, and they were Epathites. Epathites. Amen. Glory to God. They were them. The e pe- they were the E people from Bethlehem. That's a good. They were from Bethlehem. Amen. In the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. Then Elimelech died and Naomi was left with her two sons. Oh, great plan. Awesome. Anybody ever had those moments where everything just falls apart? Yep. Is that the end of the story? No. No, that's just the beginning of the story. When that thing comes and challenges you, that's just the beginning of the story when you have God. It's just the beginning of the story. It's not the end. Amen. It is not the end. Then the two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah. I thought it said Oprah when I read it this morning. I was like, wow, that's impressive. Like I thought she was an alien, but I didn't know that that far back. (laughs) I mean, men in black, she had to be, right? Uh, But no, anyway, Oprah, man, she, has she not been successful? Oh my goodness. I mean, I, there's certain things she believes in that I don't believe in, but Man, she's been successful. That's when was that capable? When was that possibility? You look at a hundred years ago, her success was not even an option. And now look at what she's done. That's a great, that's a great success. 
Uh, one of the things that's important to do as a Christian is not just look at what you disagree with, but look at what you can give God praise for. Amen. In other words, Lord, look what you've opened up. That was not capable for a woman, much less a black woman in America. Right. And now it is. God, you've done great things. Yeah. So let me give you praise for what I can give you praise for. Amen. Amen. This is yeah. very important stuff that we, that we understand and we praise God for that. Do you agree with everything she says? Well, maybe not. You know, y'all probably don't agree with what I, everything I say. Man, it got quiet. Did you hear that? That's all right. Praise God for me anyway. Maybe I'll get better. Amen. <laughs> maybe I'll get better. Amen. So anyway, uh, they married. She, he didn't marry Oprah. He married Orpah. And the other woman he was Ruth. And about 10 years later, both Milan and Killian died. They left, this left Naomi alone without her two sons or her husband. Well, that was a great beginning of a story, wasn't it? Awesome. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With the two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back to your mother's homes, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage, then she kissed them goodbye, and they broke down and wept. And what's she doing? Now, I want you to see, this is a good mother. She's saying, I recognize that this, what we had, is broken. It's not what you married into. I get that. And she's letting them go. She's letting them say, hey, if you want to go somewhere, that's fine with me. Now... See, tradition in this time, and you kind of will get into it in a little bit, tradition in that time was if a, a husband died, then the nearest relationship, the nearest kin would then take that widow on as his wife so that the family line would not stop there. And it was a part of uh, law. It was designed to carry on. So Naomi recognized, I've, I've got no more sons. Mm -hmm. I've got, there's no future for you with me, is what Naomi was saying. And so she was saying, because of this, let me let you go. <clears throat> I did a sermon back when we were still in the house with Boomerang called Release to Faith. And it basically said this. It said that at some point you have to allow yourself to be released to the faith that God has for you. In other words, uh, what we do as, a, as mothers and fathers a lot of times is we try to shield and protect our children. But it, here's the thing. When our children grow up, Abigail, Rachel, Luke, they can't survive on my faith. It has to be a personal relationship of their own faith with the Heavenly Father. And so at some point, if I'm going to do my job correctly, I have to recognize that they are more the children of God than they are my children. 
You know why? Because even though they are of my blood, there's a blood that's stronger that was paid for them to be family. And at some point, I have to release them to the Father because even more than a, a worldly father and mother, we are heavenly stewards of the children of God. Because as soon as these bodies pass away, that connection uh, there is, is it's just not the same anymore. But our children will be eternally connected to the Father, or not, if they didn't accept Christ. But they're going to, and, and they have. And so one of the things is once they become connected to Christ, they are eternally connected to God the Father. They are more His children than they are mine. And so one of the things that we talked about is we have to release people to faith. One of the things that I recognized as a pastor is I remember so many times, uh, especially when the church was young, I would be sitting there and I'd think, you know, I came up to this level with the Lord and, and, and in faith and, and I knew what it took maybe to get healing or to come out of a bad situation. And, and all of a sudden somebody would come to me from the church and say, hey, I'm believing God for this and it's bad. And I'm, and I'm like, yeah, amen, I will agree with you. And inside I'm going, oh my gosh, they're going to die. Oh my goodness, things are not going to go well. They don't, they're not at the place to apply the faith that they need. And I thought, Lord, help us. What? This is a bad situation. They don't know that word. They don't know your promises right now. And then all of a sudden, but I'd say that I was challenged inside by the Holy Ghost who would say, you just trust me. You just trust me. But I'm telling you, the logic side of Brian was going... This is not good. This is not going to end well. But the Lord would say this. You just trust me. You put them in my hands. I said, okay. And praise God that I was able to hear from him enough to do that. And I would watch them try to stand up with as much faith as they possibly could. And I'm sitting there watching their feebleness of their spirituality going, oh, if God does not intervene, they're sunk. And all of a sudden, I'd watch God swoop in. Boom, boom fix stuff. All of a sudden, raise them up. And, I'm, you know, and they're like, glory to God. God did it. And I'm like, I oh, know. Oh, my gosh, that's so awesome. I was like, Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Ah, oh, how did that happen? And I watched that time and time and time again. And I started to realize it's not about where you are. It's about the heart that you approach God with. Come on. Now, we're supposed to study to show ourselves approved. Yeah. But if we will take where we're at and we'll just give ourselves to God, yeah. God says, I'll take what you give me and I'll make it 100%. But see, that's a lot of times we don't do that. We, we just kind of dabble in a little bit of faith, right? We'll just throw in a little bit of faith here and see if it'll fly. It's funny, I'm thinking about um, poker today uh, in this situation. Um, I know all y'all are, are, were holy all of your life. But at one time I played, and I feel like I'm supposed to use this analogy because what would happen is, if you didn't have a good hand, you would try to, you know, raise it up a little bit and scare the other people off, right? 
And uh, if, if, if you really were holy, then don't pay attention to this. And, uh, but if you understand what I'm talking about, Amen. you'll see. And so you'd like throw some in. Well, then all of a sudden you get somebody that had a really good hand and they, and they would just, they would answer you back, but they would answer you back with a big bet. And it's like, whoa, that's too, you know, too rich for my blood is what a lot of people used to say. And uh, that's too rich for my blood. And they'd be out. Well, you just wasted that. What you threw in earlier, you wasted. And that's the way people treat faith a lot of time or the things of God is they're just sitting there and they're just throwing a little bit in and then the devil's like, I'll call your bluff. That's good. I'll call your bluff. You're trying to come in here with a little bit and you're not going to give all of yourself to Jesus who gave all of yourself to him. And the devil's like, I'll call your bluff. It's the time for us to be all in. And trust God with everything we have. Look, I'm not playing games anymore. Lord, let me give you all of myself. I'm not, look, let me put my life on the line. Let me step out with boldness and confidence. Do you know how many times uh, God talked to us about being bold and confident and courageous? Joshua, three times, be strong and very courageous. And then he gave us the Holy Ghost to walk in fullness of confidence. Well, with our children, we got to decide, you know what? Am I going to shelter them all of their life with my limited ability? Or am I going to release them to their own faith and let them give what they have to God and God make up the rest? You remember the widow with the two mites? She came at God. She was all in with God. Lord, I'm giving because I need it all. I'm giving you everything. It w- but look, it was two mites. See, that's exactly what happened with me and the church members was they were, they were coming with what they had. It might not have been much in my eyes, but it was what they had. Yeah. And God said, they're bringing me what they had. They're coming with all their heart. I will meet them. I'll meet them. And that's the way the Lord works. And so a lot of times what we need to do is we need to release people to their own faith and let them walk in that faith. Look, our, our children now, if our children want to believe God for something, I am not going to hold them back from believing. Believe. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes they'll bring something up. I'm like, oh, my goodness, how in the world is that going to work? And I got to say, adult mind, shut up. Let childlike faith take over and release them. To this faith. I've got to give them to the ability for them to make their own decision and make their own godly decisions. Now, that doesn't mean that you've got a 10-year-old throwing a temper tantrum. He gets to have his own personality. That's worldly thinking. No, raise up a child in the way that he's still a child. He's still a child. But at some point when they start stepping into faith, that's a different issue. You let them go to that place. And if I sit there and I try to shelter and, and, and stay and keep my own protection around, I'm giving them the limited side. I need to back out of the way and let, the, let Almighty God step in and show himself strong on, on. their behalf. Because really he loves them. Come on, that's good. Yep. He loves them. So this is what Naomi's doing. She's being a good mom. She's saying, look, I'm releasing you. Now you get to make a decision. And what happens? Verse 10. No, they said, we want to go with you. 
to your people. But Naomi replied, Why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who would grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible, and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. Now, she didn't know the whole story. She didn't understand that, that it wasn't the Lord who steals, kills, and destroys. She didn't understand that. And again, but this is her thinking. Again, they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. <laughs> but Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. So she gives this position, and, and Orpah says, says, no, says, you're right. That does not make logical sense. I'm going to go on. I'll find a new husband, and I'll move on. But we see something different in Ruth. Now it's interesting that we never hear another thing about Orpah. But Ruth has a book written about her. And there's something here that's very interesting. The Lord is a Lord of covenant. He's a God of covenant. He's a God of family. And when he brings stuff together, he doesn't like seeing it come apart. I want you to notice something very similar here is same thing with Elijah and Elisha. You remember? Even Elijah said, go on. Go on, Elisha. Go on. Yep. Leave me. Elisha, uh-uh. I'm not letting you go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not letting you go. Same thing with Ruth. I'm not letting you go. There's a loyalty here. There's an honor. I'm not letting you go. Do you think that Naomi and Ruth... Ruth, Ruth, um, do you think Naomi and Ruth agreed on everything? No. I mean, they were like mother-in-law relationship, right? I mean, is it possible that they might have had a disagreement? There's a chance. There's a good chance. But yeah, I mean, we don't really read about that portion of it, but we know us as humans, they probably had some disagreements. They probably had some tense moments. I would imagine so. And yet, here they are. And she says, no, there's something that's bigger than my disagreement. There's something that's bigger than how much I like you right now. Yeah. I'm going to honor this relationship. Yeah. I'm gonna, she honored her mother. Here's the other thing. She says, look, it doesn't matter that I, you're not my mother by blood. By the law of God, when we became one, you are now my mother. You're my mother. All right. Ruth clung tightly. Verse 15. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. Now, was Naomi saying things in a good heart? Was she trying to do the best for Ruth? Yeah, but was it the best? No. But she was trying. And to her knowledge and her ability. But sometimes you have that thing on the inside of you that the Holy Spirit's writing on the inside of you. And it goes against logic. It goes against what looks good, but it's not God. You know, or that thing inside of you is God, but that good plan is not God. 
But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Whenever you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. Man, this is honor. The Lord says this in Samuel. He said, those who honor me, I will honor. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. So the two of them continued on their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi? The women asked. Don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. Again, she's deceived, but she's had a rough life since she left that time. Right now, she's feeling bad. But again, this is the beginning of the story. See, many times when things come up, it looks like this just stinks. There's no way out of it. And you got to understand that as long as God is involved, it is not the end of the story. It is not the end of the story. Remember when we did that series that says what to do when all hell breaks loose? What we got to do is we got to trust God no matter what we see or what we feel. Lord, I trust you. The same thing that brought Job out. Job hit his knees. I will worship you. Everything, just his life completely decimated. He falls to his knees and worships God. That's what brought him out. Lord, I will trust you. I'll trust you. What's, what's going to bring them out here? Well, you have a, a, mother, a mother who gave Ruth the ability. See, do you realize that it probably wouldn't have been the same situation if the mother would have said, y'all are coming with me? If they'd have said that, then it's a totally different situation because Ruth and, and Orpah, they're not released to make their own decision in faith. If she would have forced them to come, it's a different situation. But now that she released them to their own faith, Ruth and Orpah, they get to make a decision. No, we're going to honor this marriage covenant. Let me be punished if anything but death separates us, Ruth says. I'm going with you. Now honor is released. Honor's released. They continued... On the journey, she said this in verse 21, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? So Naomi, can you see now that even though the mother made a good decision at first, like now she's not in a good place. She's not in a good place. You especially understand that if you understand anything about confession, right? We're supposed to confess the promises of God. Like, she's not confessing the promises of God right now. She's confessing, you know, the enemy. And so she's not at a good place. Here's what I want you to see. Our relationships, this is what uh, Brother Jesse preached on the other night. Our relationships are very important. Our relationships are so important because increase comes through relationships. And you're going to see that even though the mom was now not in a good place... Because of her relationship with the daughter, she comes to a good place. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanying uh, by her daughter-in-law Ruth, the young Moabite woman. They arrived in Bethlehem in late spring at the beginning of the barley harvest. Now, at this time, I want you to see, uh, is Ruth Israelite? No. No. 
She's a Moabite woman. She's not Jewish. She's not Hebrew. Okay. Save that. Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. Now there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. One day Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, All right, my daughter, go ahead. She says, All right, my daughter, go ahead. She's going... Ruth has submitted herself so much to this mom that Naomi feels like she needs to release her to go. She's like, I'm one with you. I'm one with you. Can you see the honor in this relationship? It's amazing. Why did Naomi feel like she needs to release her? Because it sounds like to me that Ruth wouldn't have gone if she wouldn't have said okay. This is honor in this relationship. She's honoring the mother who she wasn't even born by. She's honoring the covenant of God. And she's not even of Israel. She understands something in her heart. I would say that that the Holy Ghost was starting to write some things in her heart. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters, and as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Limelech. And while she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. Now, what happened in this time was if you had somebody that was wealthy, they would, uh, they would have their field that they were working. But what they would do is they would leave the fringes of the field un- unharvested. Why? This was a part of their offering. Right into the community and they would allow people that needed to to come behind them and pick up the fragments, pick up the remnants. And they would do it on purpose as a part of their offering really uh, to the Lord. And so this is what Ruth was doing. She was coming behind and she was picking up the fragments. And it was, you'll see a little bit later that she takes up what was uh, known as Epa, Epa, I think it is. It's like uh, anywhere from four and a half to nine gallons of seed after it was all said and done. So she gathered quite a bit here. But that's what's happening is Ruth is Ruth. Uh, I got to stop saying that. Uh, Ruth is is basically Ruth. Um, Ruth is basically coming behind there and gathering up these fragments so that they can have something to live on. All right. That's so funny. So then Boaz comes in. I keep thinking of uh, that video (laughs) with uh, Jensen Franklin. (laughs) If you've seen it, you'll get a kick out of it. Ruth 2.5. Then Boaz asked his foreman, who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, she is the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvester. She's been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. Boaz went over and said to Ruth, Listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain, and don't go to any other field. Stay right behind the young women working in my field. 
See which part of the field they are harvesting, then follow them. I've warned the young men not to treat you roughly, and when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. Now, this is favor. This is the favor of God starting to pour out. And, and here's what he's saying, like, you don't have to go and try and find another field. You will always have a place in this field. You don't worry about trying, you know, because if, can you imagine, this is somebody already low on the social totem pole. Do you think that they were treated well everywhere they went? No. He's saying, look, you stay here, we'll treat you well, you don't have to go find anything else. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked. I am only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother in your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. This guy's prophesying. Now, here's what's happened. This young lady from a totally different country honors her mother, goes with her back. Now, word of this honor. Who's the one who gives promotion? Who's the one who gives honor? It's the Lord. The word of the Lord about this lady's honor gets to Boaz. All of a sudden, favor is given to this young woman. All of a sudden, uh, he says, look, don't go anywhere else. You will find your supply with me. Now, he's known as the kinsman redeemer. Listen, Jesus is your kinsman redeemer. You don't have to find your source in anything else. You have a source already. It is not your job. It is not it is not your family and where you came from your source is God he's got everything and he has made a way from you and it is not here's the thing it is not just the fringes anymore and you'll see that that's not the end of the story but then he also says this in the name he put her in front of somebody with the authority to speak over his life and create a prophetic word which would then cause her life to abound so God takes this woman who honored her mother, puts her in the place where favor can be poured out and puts her in the place where a, a kinsman, part of her family that has some supernatural authority can then speak, may the Lord bless you fully. Now see, to the average person seeing that, it's, it's not much. To the average person, it's just somebody saying, yeah, be blessed. But that's because we've, we've taken our words and we've cheapened them. But when you understand how God moves, when you understand how the spiritual things of God operate, God has put her right in the place where somebody with authority can say, may you be blessed. Amen. And now, spiritually speaking, it must come to pass. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Holy Spirit has got me excited over this. Amen. Verse 13, I hope I continue to please you, sir, she replied. 
You have comforted me by speaking so kindly to me, even though I am not one of your workers. At mealtime, Boaz called to her, Come over here and help yourself to some food. You can dip your bread in the, in the sour wine. So she sat with his harvesters, and Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. She ate all she wanted and still had some left over. This is the blessings of God. This is the blessings of God. He's not just leaving you hungry and on the fragments. The blessings of God are to fill you up so that you are so full you still got some left over. He's an overflowing God. He, he's an overflowing God. That's who He is. He loves you. When Ruth went back to work again, Boaz ordered his young men, let her gather grain right among the sheaves without stopping her. Let her, in other words, let her, let her gather in a special place. Then he said, and pull out some of the heads of barley from the bundles and drop them on purpose for her. Let her pick them up and don't give her a hard time. In other words, now, let me, here. You're picking up harvested stuff. It's like, here, here's a little bit extra, here's a little bit extra. And don't give her a hard time. Make it easy on her. Make it easy on it. Jesus said, come to me all those who are heavy laden, who are burdened and heavy laden. He said, I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. This is a, this is a picture of it ahead of time. And we've said this so many times before. How many of you have heard that verse, but then after you've heard that verse, it's not felt, felt easy and light? When we, when we move into situations that feel hard and pressed, we have to recognize it's a symptom that we're probably missing on something because Jesus promised it is easy and it is light. It generally means that somehow we're taking on a load that is not His. It's not His yoke. We're, we're carrying something He didn't call us to carry. Use it as a symptom. All right, something's out of line here. Let me, and it's not Jesus, it's not him that's out of line, it's me. Let me use it as a symptom. Let me find that area. Let me judge myself so that I'm not judged. And let's move back to easy and light. Thank you, Verse 17, so Ruth gathered the barley there all day. And when she beat out the grain that evening, it filled an entire basket. This was the nine gallons. She carried it back into town and showed it to her mother-in-law. Ruth also gave her the roasted grain that was left over from her meal. Where did you gather all this grain today, Naomi asked. Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man in whose field she worked. She said, the man I worked with today, his name Boaz. Now look at Naomi. May the Lord bless him. Naomi told her daughter-in-law, He is showing his kindness to us as well as your dead husband. That man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. God took Ruth and immediately put her right in the place where her redeemer lives. Right in the place where the redeemer lives. See, if we'll just put on honor and open up our eyes, if we'll just put on honor and open up our eyes to the things of God, we will find that God constantly is putting our Redeemer right in our path. 
Why? Because He loves you. Well, what happens is so many times we're looking at the problem, we're looking at the issue, and we close our eyes, and we're like, I'm not going to honor, they've done me bad, now I'm going to do them bad, I'm just sick of this. And all of a sudden, we can't even see where God wants to place us. But if we will put on honor, this honor is the way of God. Honor to our mother, honor to our father, this is the way of God. And if we will put that on, God will put you right where your Redeemer lives. Right where the hand of the Lord can supply to you. She said, that man is one of our closest relatives, our, one of our family redeemers. And then Ruth said, what's more, Boaz even told me to come back and stay with his harvesters until the entire harvest is completed. In other words, come back. As long as there's a harvest, you are in it. Good, Naomi explained. Do as he said, my daughter. Stay with his young women right through the whole harvest. You might be harassed in other fields, but you will be safe with him. God provided a harvest. God provided a redeemer. God pr provided a safe place. God provided an easy place. So Ruth worked alongside the women in Boaz's fields and gathered grain with them until the end of the barley harvest. And she continued working with them through the wheat harvest in early summer. And all the while she lived with her mother-in-law. Now, see, this... <laughs> How many times? It's like, oh, Jesus, you have blessed me. Glory to God. Now let me pick up my stuff and move to this more, this other place. In other words, let me go away from the connection, the honoring of my mother-in-law because I was blessed here. Now I have all my own stuff because America has taught us the against covenant so many times. Let me go over here to my own place, my own ministry, my own stuff. And let me set up here. What would she been doing? She would have been leaving the very place of blessing. Why? Because you're going to see in the end, God didn't want to just bless Ruth. He wanted to redeem the whole family, including Naomi. And had Ruth picked up and said, oh, well, these blessings are mine. I'm going over here. And Naomi, I'm sorry, but you go find you a redeemer. If she'd have done that, She'd have stepped right out of the whole blessing. But what does it say? She stayed with Naomi. She stayed. Chapter 3. One day Naomi said to Ruth, My daughter, it's time that I've found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. Now, let me, let me go back to what I was just saying. I can't tell you how many times people come into the church they start hearing the word of God. Well, the word is powerful. It will accomplish what it was sent to do. I'll tell people if they're having a hard time, you just come sit under the word. You just come sit under the word. Because even if you've heard it a thousand times before, this word, it does something in you. It'll raise you up. It'll start picking you up. And if you'll just be, I can't tell you how many times where somebody comes in and the first time they ever come into Boomerang, they are beat up. Like they're just beat down. They have no hope. Everything's not looking right. And then all of a sudden, three or four months later, everything changes. The blessing of God starts pouring out just like it's happening with Ruth. I mean, the blessing starts happening. Favor starts rising. Everything. Then all of a sudden, they get a promotion at work. 
And they go, oh, look, the Lord's promoting me. And what they're doing is they're assuming that it is instead of checking with God first and all of a sudden it's a trap. But that promotion, you know, all right, we're going to give you this promotion. We're going to tell you this, but you won't be able to, uh, you've got to work on Sundays. You won't be able to go to life group, you know. You, you can't be a part of your family. See, it's that family and that word that was taking you up. And then all of a sudden they go like this. They start that. And, and all of a sudden they're not there anymore. And what happens? It was the word that was up home. It was the honoring of the word that says don't forsake the assembly. And then all of a sudden they're out of that place and it doesn't work. And they go, what happened? It was never God promoting in the first place. It was a trap. He used things that you held more important. What was more important? If you take that promotion that takes you out of the family, when he says don't forsake, which was more important? The command of God or the money? Are we going to honor that or are we going to honor the word? Well, if I, if I, you know, Call my mom. She might give me a hard time because we didn't talk well last time. Are you going to honor the word? Or are you going to honor what you think might happen? God's a covenant God. And he didn't say just honor your mother and father that do it right. He said honor. It's important. It doesn't mean you have to subject yourself. I mean, some people have a really bad family situation and... And honestly, going and spending time with their family is, is not what their family needs to do. But there's a, you ask the Lord, Lord, how can I? Have you even asked, how can I honor them? Right. My job is to honor, but I don't know how to do it right. How do I do it? How do I honor them? They might be caustic. They might be very grating in our lives. Maybe you, you are, I don't even know that I want my kids subjected to those things. Some people have, have families like that. But that doesn't take away God's command to honor. So you ask the Lord. Instead of just saying, no, I can't do it at all. You say, how can I, Lord? How can I? This is honor. One day Naomi said to Ruth, my daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. Boaz is a close relative of ours and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now she tells her what to do. I'm, I'm going to skip a little bit. She tells Ruth what to do. Ru- Ruth basically says, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to go do it. And then she did exactly what her mom said. This is honoring. This is honoring. And let me tell you just this. The people that God's placed in your life, sometimes they can be spiritual mothers and fathers, so to speak. But they they can also be our father. I can't tell you how many times I've called my dad and he say one word. I might agree with where he's at or I might not on certain things. But all of a sudden I talk to him. He says something that changes my whole life. Why? Because he's got a spiritual authority. And my dad has an anointing in my life to speak things in my life. Doesn't matter what level he's on or not. He has an authority. Right here, Naomi has an authority. She tells Ruth exactly what to do. She goes and does what Ruth asks and exactly it lines it up. She meets with Boaz and Boaz basically uh, finds out, hey, you are the redeemer. You're the kin's person that's closest minus one person. 
And, he, and then all of a sudden here, because what was supposed to happen is the kin person that was closest should be the redeemer. If they can. Boaz doesn't short circuit. Don't you know that Boaz could have short circuited the process? Isn't it obvious that God had Boaz as the kinsman redeemer for Ruth? Don't, don't you see that? But see, even then, Boaz didn't say, all right, I'm, I know God has shown me I'm supposed to be the redeemer. We're just going to go make this happen. No, that's not what he does. He said, there's somebody closer than me. In other words, let's do this right. You don't move into the places of honor by short-circuiting honor. You don't do that. Boaz says, let's go to him. If he redeems you, then so be it. But if he doesn't, I surely will. I surely will. (laughs) So what's he doing? He's putting the future of Ruth than the future of Boaz into the hands of somebody who might not esteem it right. But it's the honorable thing to do. It's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. I've told you about when we moved into this building. The the situation looked awesome. You know, when we moved in and uh, it looked great. It was exciting. I was like, glory to God. But I'm a man and a pastor under submission. And I have mentors that I am submitted to in my life. And so I said, I went to all of them. I went to every one of them plus a couple. I went to Pastor Gene. I went to Pastor JB. I went to Pastor Chris. I went to Pastor Bill McRae. Uh, at that time, I was, Pastor Rodney was not there, but I even talked to him about it. I, I talked, well, he was. He was becoming right then. I, I talked to him. I said, hey, what do you think about this? Pastor Gene's uh, pastor is the prophet Donald Moore. I went to, and he has an anointing to basically say when a building is, is supposed to be yours or not. Uh, and I went to all of them. And what am I doing? I'm putting this great opportunity in the hands of people that I'm submitted to. Well, what if they say no? They could have. They could have. Man, we've been waiting for a building for years. It's the perfect building in in the county. It's the one that fits us the most. It's what we're called to do. It's got the things we need. It's even got things like the drive-through overhang. I always wanted that. You know, there's little things. It has a baptism. I've never had a baptistry before. It was awesome. I loved it at Kickstart when we had it. We need to have another one soon. Let's win some souls. Amen. 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 And so I'm like all these things and and and. The price is right, and, and yes, Lord, this has got to be you. Not until I submit myself right. to my mentors that God has put in my life. Why? Because they have the ability to speak into my life. And if I, they also, when I humble myself there, grace is released. Yeah. Grace is released. We're believing God to just pay this off, never be in debt for it and everything. Do you think if I just stepped out and I said, well, I know this is the right building. I'm the pastor of Boomerang Church. I'm not going to talk to all those pastors. I'm just going to move into it. Which level is carrying more humility? The first one. And which one then is carrying more grace according to the word? Grace is the empowerment and favor to do those things. So see, even though... 
even though I might not know if I'm supposed to, when I open myself up to humility and honor, what I really open up is the grace of God. And this is what Boaz and Ruth both did. They said, let us give ourselves to this process. Let us humble ourselves to the right thing. Even though we can tell this is God, we're not going to short-circuit it now. Let's do it right so that in the end we have this great resolve that God was in this from start to finish. And grace can be then poured out. Well, guess what? He goes and talks to the next uh, kinsman. He talks to the next kinsman and the, and the kinsman, uh, he says, Naomi uh, was over there and uh, they need a redeemer for their land. And the next kinsman goes, I'll redeem it. Oh, no. No. Then Boaz, I'm sure by the Holy Ghost, said, Now, if you do redeem that, you also have to take Ruth as your wife because she's a part of the same thing being redeemed. And the guy goes, "Uh, That'll actually mess up what I already have going on. I I can't redeem it. And Boaz says, well, then let it be seen. He pulled in the elders. There were elders sitting right then. He pulled them into the court. He said, let it be known. I will be her kinsman redeemer. She will be my wife and I'll be redeemed. Oh, man. Whoo, glory to God. All right, let's read that part. He said, he said this, when Ruth went back... uh, He said uh, at the end, Ruth 3.15, Boaz said to her, bring your cloak and spread it out. He measured six scoops of barley into the cloak and placed it on her back and then he returned to the town. When Ruth went back to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, what happened, my daughter? Ruth told Naomi, everything Boaz has done for me. She added, he gave me these six scoops of barley and said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said to her, just be patient, my daughter, until we hear what happens. The man won't rest until he has settled things today. Can you see that God had the supply set up? And even every time they meet, he was like, here, just take some of this back to Naomi. Just here, while you're here, don't go back empty handed. It was like blessing after blessing after blessing. This is the heart of the Father. This is just a man being moved by the heart of God. How much bigger is God's heart for you, his child that he loves so much? Oh, he wants to pour out in your life. He wants to pour out blessing after blessing. Hey, and while you're at it, here's a little extra. While you're at it, here's a little extra. Oh, Lord, I love this. I know. I know. I love you. My child that I love so much. Chapter 4. Boaz went to town gate and took a seat there. Just then the family redeemer uh, he had mentioned came by and Boaz called out to him. Then it goes on. He says... I thought I should uh, think, say this about you in verse 5. I thought I should talk, talk to you about this. Then Boaz said, of course, your purchase of the land from Naomi also requires that you marry Ruth, the Moabite widow. That way she can have children who will carry on her husband's name and keep the land in the family. Then I can't redeem it, the family redeemer replied, because this might endanger my own estate. You redeem the land. I cannot do it. Now in those days it was the custom in Israel for anyone transferring a right of purchase to remove his sandal and hand it to the other party. This publicly validated the transaction. Makes total sense to me. (laughs) So the other family 
redeemer drew off his sandal as he, as he said to Boaz, you buy the land. <laughs> hey, good job. We got a deal. Amen. That's the way it looked. Okay. Amen. And uh, then Boaz says to the elders to the town standing around, you are witnesses that today I have brought from Naomi all the property of Limelech, Kilian, and Malon. And with the land, I have acquired Ruth, the Moabite widow of Malon, to be my wife. This way she can have a son to carry on the family name of her dead husband and to inherit the family property here in his hometown. You are all witnesses today. Then the elders and all the people standing in the gate replied, We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah from whom all the nation of Israel descended. May you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. And may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman who will be like those of our ancestor Perez, the son of Tamar and Judah. Now listen to these words. Listen to these words. Do you remember a scripture that says, Blessed are you, Bethlehem of Prata? Whatever that is. Blessed are you, Bethlehem? For out of you, that Savior will be born is what it was getting at. This is where that takes place. Because when you go on, what it goes on to say is that Boaz and Ruth had Obed. And Obed had Jesse. And Jesse had King David. And we all know who came through the lineage of King David. The Son of Almighty God. Jesus, the Christ of the Lord. And remember when they were of this father David and had to go back to Bethlehem? This is where all this got started. Now listen to it again. Then the elders and all the people standing in the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah where the children of Israel were produced. From whom all the nation of Israel descended. All, may, the, may God make this woman blessed so that all the children of God will come through her. A woman that wasn't even born on the right side of the tracks. She was not Hebrew. Let this woman who put on honor and said, I will honor your covenant. May you prosper and be famous in Bethlehem. I would say she's famous in Bethlehem today. Only the King of Kings and Lord of Lords came from her lineage because she was there and because she honored her mom. May the Lord give you descendants by this young woman. Did he give her descendants? Did he give Boaz descendants by this young woman? To be like those who were blessed. Oh, did he ever. What are they doing? They're prophesying. When they did it the right way, it released the honor of God to be poured out in a prophetic word that all of a sudden sent shockwaves through the supernatural and it ended up around 0 AD coming into a place with a star shining. And all of a sudden the whole world changed because of a word. And honor. Yeah. 
See, when we will humble ourselves to the things of God, we will honor our father and mother. And the other things that God has told us to honor, we set ourselves up Amen. for the supernatural things of God to be released. So Boaz took Ruth into his home and she became his wife. And when he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant and she gave birth to a son. Then the women of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. He is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast and she cared for him as if he were her own. The neighbor women said, now at last Naomi has a son again. And they named him Obed and he became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. Naomi, at the beginning, she thought, it's over. I've lost everything. I've come back. Call me bitter. But see, the honor of her to let Ruth make a faith choice, and then the honor of Ruth to make a faith choice of honor, all of a sudden, it produced a blessing. And then Boaz to step into honor and do it the right way. Honor is such a big, important thing with God. And when we have a Mother's Day, when we have this day, it's so important for us to move into the place of that honor. If you want to get them, Deb. I don't see George. It's so important. What can happen when we honor the things of God? What can happen? When we choose to honor our mother, not just on Mother's Day, but every day of the year. What can happen when we honor our father? What can happen when we honor the things that God has happened? All of a sudden, he said, I'll put you in a place. I'll make it easy for you. I will pour out these things. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that it won't always look easy. Sometimes it looks hard, but that doesn't mean it is hard. Just because it looks hard doesn't mean it is hard. It just means the devil generally is trying to get you to believe on the hard instead of believing on the easy. Like Jesus in the storm. It looked hard. Disciples fearing for their life. But in truth, all he had to do was get up. And the disciples could have done it too. That's why he got on to them. They, all they had to do was get up and say, The Lord said, let us go to the other side. Peace be still. When we put on the honor of God, we move into a place where the grace of God can be poured out and life can meet us and make our lives the way God intended it to be. And he will redeem us and restore us. He's already paid the price for redemption. But he will, what happens is we step into that redemption. We move into those places and God can start to bless you in your life. And I just want to...